to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Tonight, I want to share uh, on the heart, your heart, God's heart, uh, what it looks like, some of the functions, uh, some of the operations of the heart, some of the conditions. And, and when I was seeking the Lord, uh, it, was, it was even before I got to have, a, I went under the knife last week. I don't know if y'all know this, some of y'all don't. But Thursday morning, about 7 a.m., uh, you know, I was cut open, and uh, I did an inner healing and uh, deliverance ministry session. And uh, that, the guy I went to, it was, it was shifted to Zoom, and, and I was really disappointed, you know, because I didn't want to do it on Zoom because I'm 45 years old in middle age. So I'm like, what, what is this, online? I don't want to do online. I want to do it in person. And I complained, as I usually do. And my wife was like, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I was a grump-a-lump. You know, that's what we call it in our house when you gripe. You know, a grump-a-lump. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. I was flailing around, you know, like a child. But this uh, guy, this surgeon, by the way, I highly recommend it. I've done it before. But, you know, time goes by and uh, you realize you're not functioning on all cylinders, you know. This guy, I mean, <laughs> he went after it, okay. I mean, I got hit with, you got some bad theology going uh, you're partnering with deception. Uh, we need to do some deliverance. There's some unforgiveness I'm sensing. And he started out the session after I barely introduced myself. And I just see him kind of in the screen. And he's writing. And, you know, when you're in a doctor's office, you can get a little alarm when they're just writing on the pad, right? They're looking at you and they're writing and you're wondering, oh, man, this must be bad. He won't stop. So God dealt with my heart, but I had already decided and committed to Jeremy that this is what I was going to be speaking of. So it kind of went hand in hand with the fact that God really cares about your heart. He cares about your heart because your heart is the center of function for your life. It's where decisions are made. It's where emotions sit. Wisdom can sit there. Understanding. David... David said he led out of a heart of integrity. Your heart can get hard. Your heart can be double-minded. It can get so hard that it becomes like a stone. The wickedness and imaginations of your heart can lead you astray. So this center for our spirit, man, is what directs us. We move to and fro by the image and the images that are resting in the center. And who speaks a language of images? The Father. More than anything else, more than a word you might hear, is a picture that he gives you on the inside of who you are. Context for what's going on in your life. Context for what's going on in the world. So he began to minister to me and just say, Israel, let's take a little diagnostic screening of the condition of the heart in the house tonight. Are y'all willing to submit to that tonight? Are you willing to let him put you on the, uh, the machine, throw a few probes on, just run a few tests, a little bit of blood work, an EKG, get you on the treadmill, have you act, you know, walk at a moderate pace and see how that center, that muscle is functioning. Are the chambers clear? Are they in full operation? Is there some cholesterol? Is there an unforgiveness? Is there some depression? Some sorrow? Some bitterness? Is there some high blood pressure? 
Is there some anger? Is there some bitterness? Say it loud. Is there some fear? So if you would, I'll pray and we'll jump right in. We'll run together for a little bit here. And we'll just ask the Lord to speak to us and minister to us on the condition of our own heart. Because he has a design and a destiny for your heart. See, there's blueprints in heaven. In the heavenlies, there are blueprints that rest in the kingdom of God, and he wants them to alight and come down and rest on us as individuals, as a body and as a house, and then it's the greater body of Christ. There's designs and functions, and his desire is that we would submit ourselves to the mighty hand of God to receive the design and the function so that we can be optimal to one purpose, revealing his glory. That's the end. Make no mistake. You're a conduit, and he wants your light to shine, and he wants it to shine bright. And when it shines bright and people go, why, how, who do they think they are, you just go, it's Jesus. And you just point right back up to the Father. So, God, I just thank you tonight for this house. I thank you that these hearts are after you, God. We're after you. We're chasing after you, and your word says if we draw nigh to you, you'll draw nigh to us, Lord. So we just desire tonight to have ears to hear. Lord, I don't want to say anything that's not of you. So if I do, Lord, just shut the ears for a split second. But Lord, everything that's of you, let it just flow and stream from the heavenlies to the hearts of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of parallels between the natural and physical world and what happens in the spiritual. Jesus is always doing this when he teaches. He's always saying, hey, look at a field, look at a vineyard, look at a herd, because people, we understand that as human beings. So if we look at the natural heart, there's a lot of things we can learn about our spiritual heart, okay? Let's go to the first one. We're going we're gonna to call this, and, and they're, not, they're not exact, but we're going to do the... Uh, electrocardiogram, okay? This is a test that measures the electrical activity of your heart, the rhythm and strength of your heartbeat. Now, the source of the electrical impulse that's operating your spiritual heart happened with Adam, okay? That's where the... started. It started after God formed a, a clump of clay, a clump of dust into a man and went... And all of a sudden, this thing started happening. Boom, 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 boom. Blood started to flow, right? And, and what's in the blood? Oxygen, right? It's what allows the blood vessels to be permeated with the thing that brings life to the tissue. So spiritually, it's the same thing. If you have your Bibles, let's look at Ephesians 1, 15. Paul is setting up his letter to the Ephesians. And there's something he says in this scripture that really will, it will cast the umbrella on everything, everything I'm going to talk about tonight, okay? Godwin, can I, can, Godwin, can I ask, are you okay with me sharing? What, okay. I just want to share this Alexa because I don't want to move past it. It's just, it's incredible. My wife has had neck pain all around here and into the back and et cetera, but mainly up here in this region for a long time. She's been walking relatively free for a while, 
little bit of hiccup here and there. But Godwin asked for prayer for his neck. And, and, and what happened? Can you give God a hand? He said, I felt like I was loosening up, but God was touching my heart. God was touching my heart, but my neck, I, I started to get relief in my neck. Amen? I mean, let's just make sure we have that one. So, Jeremy, I mean, so many things were happening in the house this morning. And listen, when things like Ukraine happen in the natural, God's spirit and anointing for the miraculous is going to be poured out more. That's what happens. He tips, he puts his hand on the scale. You see that with your eyes, what's going on and nations raging and kings raging. His desire is to release more supernatural power. Amen. Do you see that? Can you see that in the Bible too? When we desperately need a touch from God, when the context and our circumstances have dictated that we're pinned in a corner, we have nothing else to rely on. He tends to show up, right? When you don't have modern medicine to help, when you've exhausted all x-rays, sonograms, chiropractors, doctors, uh, I, I, I joke around with Allison, I was like, the, you know, chiropractors like mechanic. If you're a chiropractor in the room, I'm not meaning to offend, but I was like, she went to chiropractor after chiropractor and, and no relief, you know? But God touching your heart and then this happening, there's a lot of miracles, a lot of physical things and physical needs that are attached to your heart being touched. So this, let's go to Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 1. I'm going to go to verse 17. It says, I keep asking the Lord God, our Jesus, I'm sorry, I keep asking the Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. You might know him better. Anybody in the room, I, I don't even want to speak for you. I want to know him better. I just want to be closer to him. I want to know more about him. I want to know how he sounds, what he looks like. I want to know what his breath smells like. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open and enlightened according to that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparably great power for those of us who believe. Apparently, your heart has eyes, and it can see things. And he's praying for people who are already walking with the Lord. Amen? He's praying for people who are already walking with the Lord. So you can rest assured in this. This is after Christ's resurrection, after the acceptance. You have knowledge, and you have knowledge of the things of God, and we have knowledge of our history. But what happens often is that the context of our circumstances begin to distort a little, twist a little, rearrange a little the knowledge that we have of God. When the eyes of your heart are opened, the gap between the knowledge you have and seeing who he truly is and his glory is closed. Two things happen in that moment. Number one, you see how far away you were in your knowledge, that only a portion of your knowledge is actually true. There's a little bit of tares and weeds in there that need to be plucked up. But you also see that God is so good and so magnificent that all the knowledge you had 
cannot be fathomed without the illumination of the eyes of your heart being opened. You need what's called light on your knowledge. Are y'all tracking with me? You have knowledge. Circumstances are a barrage against your knowledge to test what's true and what's not true. And when the light comes in, your eyes are opened and you see the knowledge of God for what it is. Because really what you're seeing is his glory. Okay, so that's, that's, that's the first one. This test is to ask about the eyes of your heart. Are they open? What are you seeing and what are you looking at? When you look at the world, even globally, you turn on the news. I, I, I use certain, I guess, websites to track the news. And I'll scroll through a bunch of the eight top things. I don't usually read, the, read all the articles. But I'll kind of get a snapshot of what's going on in the world. And I think last week on, on one of the days, it was probably Friday, all eight captions, all eight of them, were the Ukraine and Russia situation. So what, what are our hearts feasting on? And when they see situations like the Ukraine, or they see situations like our own political system, they see the depravity of the American people exporting filth to the rest of the world along with all the other goods, how do I process that? Do I see it through the lens of God's glory, his goodness, or am I shaken by it? That's, the, that's, the, uh, that's test number one. Let's move to test number two. This is the echocardiogram. It's a form of ultrasound that uses sound waves, so it uses sound waves to create a picture of your heart's chambers, valves, wall, and blood vessels. And we're going to go to scripture. Let's go to Job 42. If we have that, this is the end of Job. And in this scripture, Job is, he's finally totally surrendered. He's really laid all down. In verse one, it says, in Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I do not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen, and now I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and shame. I believe this moment right here, the eyes of his heart were open to what had been transpiring for the previous 41 chapters. He finally got to a point where God opened the eyes of his heart and the context was, was revealed. There was revelation on everything that happened. And at that moment, his heart had but one response. He just went straight to his knees. He fell down into ash because once our, our eyes are open on the inside to the glory of God, everything we've experienced, whether it be for a month or a week or years, all of a sudden has meaning. It has meaning through the lens of his glory because he's doing something with us individually. He's doing something with us as a house and he's doing something with us as a body, as a bride. Amen. This happened in the New Testament too. It happened in Luke 5. I just want to read this story because 
this, this, this next story was in the New Testament when Jesus is calling disciples. In Luke 5.1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and began to teach people from the boat. Fun fact, when I was a kid, I used to be on that, that lake. I used to be out there swimming. Every Passover, we'd go camp at that lake, Lake Canaret, right? And so we may have even caught a few fish there. We didn't have boats, but, you know, the best we could with hooks and, and strings and a fishing pole sometimes. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Jesus is always doing something crazy with your, your natural circumstances. He's always, I say crazy in an affectionate way. He's always doing something mind-blowing, something to capture your attention, to measure your reaction, and to see if you're ready for this revelation. He'll take a natural circumstances, turn you upside down. You'll be wondering what's going on, what's what. Feet are up, head is down, body sideways, and then he hits you with the big one. And all of a sudden, you're in a new season of life. All of a sudden, you're walking under some revelation that is just captivating and giving you context for what's happened previously. Simon answered and said in verse 5, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so. Why don't you all just repeat that? Say, because you say so. I want that to be my response. <laughs> Israel, pray for healing again. Israel, tell this person about Jesus. <laughs> hey, be honest in your work. Don't overcharge. Hey, speak softly to your wife and children. For the thousandth time, for the hundred thousandth time. I want my response to be because you said so. Because I'm just one more because you said so away from a revelation and a miracle that gives context and meaning to the knowledge that I have of him. He said, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. In verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. I mean, these guys went from nothing, toiling all night. All of a sudden, now they're recruiting other boats. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. This is the other thing he does. This is just a natural progression. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We put a lot of our hopes and dreams and desires into natural circumstances, into natural things. When that miracle from God happens, a lot of times he just, he, he crushes your matrix because he wants to call you to a different one. About the time you get to learn uh, your sphere of influence and get comfortable with it, he's ready to shift it. He's ready to change it up. He's ready to bring you up a level. In my, or I call it leveling up in my work, you know? Um, and that's a good thing. So the boats begin to sink. Verse eight, and this is, and this is where, this is that reaction. So when Simon Peter saw this, he fell 
onto his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. They pulled their boats up shore. Then they left everything and followed him. <laughs> I mean, that's scary, right? You know, that's, that's the pursuit of this man. <laughs> you chase after him. It's going to be a wild and exciting ride. The last test, and uh, yeah, we'll go to the last test. Let's talk about the stress test, okay? The stress test, I learned, is the one you actually get up and you start walking on, okay? It has to do with exercise. It has to do with uh, exerting yourself physically, spiritually, emotionally. A test of how well your heart responds to activity as you walk on a moderate or high pace on a treadmill, okay? For that, we're going to go to Luke 6, 43. Verse 43 says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. And then this, this is the, the, the injection right here. Verse 45, a good man brings forth good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings forth evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That, that wording there, I, I kind of did a study on a, uh, bringing forth, brings forth. It has to do with two things. First of all, it has to do with producing. You're cultivating those chains of your heart so that when it comes time to bear and produce fruit, it's good fruit. And the other one is the storage of the treasure. See, I tuck him away when I see him. I put him in here. And then later on that day, that week, I live out of that tucked away storage. Like, uh, I, I'll tell you, as a husband, one of the best compliments you can get is, man, you've just been so nice lately. <laughs> I got one of those last week. <laughs> it, was, it was not long after my, you know, spiritual open heart surgery, you know, the guy, the guy dealt with, he, he helped me deal with some things. A lot of it was him having me pray and be led into things that I had kind of, kind of just become blind to the fact that they were there, you know, and that happens. That happens. There's no, there's no shame in that. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. I just declare freedom over you that the functions of your heart are covered by God. God is responsible. I, he, he's big enough. Trust me, he's big enough. He's in control enough. He's sovereign enough to handle everything you throw at him, including your grievances, including your disappointments, including sadness and sorrow, including your joy. Valley or mountaintop, he created them both and he created you in them so he can handle whatever expression comes forth from you. You're his creation. Amen? The heart is a muscle. It has to be worked. It squeezes, right? And it sends this blood to the blood vessels. They bring the oxygen, and the whole being, the tissue, is able to operate and function properly. I'm going to go to a scripture. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. 
verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. We're in our descent, y'all. They call it landing a lot up here, so I'll use that wording too. Now, my, we're at the doctor's office, and it's the Holy Spirit running the tests, but it's to encourage. It's to uplift. It's to bring us into better standing, better understanding, right? Amen. Do you all receive that? It's not to beat you down. Never be my heart, and it's never the Lord's heart to push you down with the staff. He can correct, yes. But that's the other side. In my estimation, after reading the scriptures cover to cover, it's generally that staff is to just kind of lead you, right? It's rare that he's got to whack us with it. I got kids, and I can tell you one thing. There is a room for uh, sparing not the rod. But there is more room for encouragement and admonition and love and tenderness and kindness from their dad. And fortunately, I've had four, so I had three that I could just train on and one that I might get it right at the last one, right? It's our youngest Eden. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Part of the reason that he, he makes that first statement is God said, let there be light in the darkness. And now he's using it to say, God wants there to be light on the knowledge of Jesus in our own hearts. So that, that's, uh, that's what I came with tonight to encourage, to put you on, you know, a little diagnostic screening. We all have to have a checkup. You know, I don't know how often you're supposed to go uh, for your heart specifically, but I know, I know as you get older and you walk with the Lord more that you better go more often. Amen? I mean, if you're young in the Lord and young in body, you probably go less. But as you get older and the battering rams of life and the arrows have hit a little bit longer and they've chipped away at some of the fortitude you need him more. You need to get that testing done a little more often because it's easy to slip into criticism. It's easy to slip into being judgmental. It's easy to slip and go, man, the context of my circumstances is eroding at my knowledge of Christ and I need the eyes of my heart to be opened to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus when I look at him in worship and in prayer and that way everything makes sense. In comparison to him, nothing I go through here is even close to the glory of what's going to happen when I'm seated with him. I told the worship team earlier, I said, we're going to be at supping. I mean, I see visions of you guys. I can see pictures of y'all taking big old bites of drumsticks and just gulping down your favorite drink that Jesus has prepared for you. 
When I think about that supper with the lamb and thinking that we're all going to be in the presence of the most high glorified God and he's going to be sitting in dominion over the face of the earth and a new heaven and a new earth will have descended and there's no more sorrow and no more crying and no more shame and no more guilt. I go, whoa, a little struggle for 80 years if you're fortunate. I can handle it. God's got this. He's got my heart. To another I will not give. No space. There's four chambers. And the enemy's not getting one. And if he's got one, I'm going to the surgeon. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit dig that out. I'm going to let his rotor-rooter ways clear those pathways because there's a pipeline from heaven and I'm not going to let any barnacles stand in the way of me receiving the fullness of Christ Jesus in this body and glorifying him to the highest level that I can while I'm here. For me as a husband, it starts in my home. It's a commitment to my wife and my children first. And then it expands like a ripple on a lake and it begins to absorb the spheres of influence in my life, it begins to absorb my work and my neighbors and my friends and my gym activity and the restaurants I eat at. And it slowly becomes part of my neighborhood and then Dallas and Dallas-Fort Worth and North Texas and Texas and the United States and then the world. My question to me is how big is my heart? Can I only fit a few small people in it? Can I only manage to govern it well with the relationships of a few because Christ fit the whole world in his heart and then he resides in me. So surely I can grow that circle in prayer and where my feet walk and where I take dominion. Surely I can let him expand the territory of the tent until the whole world can fit into the tent. Amen. In, in, I just want to tell you in, that, in Luke when he talks about, uh, about um, the bearing good fruit, the chapters above, Jesus is giving directives on loving your neighbor. And it's saying he loved his enemies. Man, we can barely love the people that cut us off on the highway. I've conditioned myself and I'm not perfect in it but I condition myself because I do about 25K to 30K miles a year to bless those clowns. And I start saying, now I say, good move. Great move. Wow. That was unbelievable. He should be a NASCAR. Seriously, I conditioned myself because I knew that for years the response wasn't right. Beep, 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 beep. You know what I'm saying? Right? But I've conditioned myself because greater is he that is in me than he who cuts me off in the world. <laughs> Are we tracking? So I just want to admonish you. I want to encourage you. I'm 44 years old. There's my parents. I grew up on the mission field. I was a pastor's kid. I was in youth camp. Alexis, kid of Christian. I was in camp. I have all of the benefits, all of the benefits of walking with the Lord from a young age, dedicated to God. 
But I still got to show up to the altar. I still got to show up and bend my knee because I realize the distance between the knowledge I have of him and seeing him rightly when the eyes of my heart are opened. And there is a chasm. There's a big gap there. Now the longer, I don't mean to yell at y'all, but the, the longer, it's his fault. It's his fault. This guy right here with the white beard. <laughs> the longer you go between seeing him and letting your circumstances ride, the further your knowledge is going to be from truth, from core bedrock truth. That's why it's not just individual pursuit of the Lord. It's also the church, and it's also getting out and mixing it up, dusting it up with the pagans. Okay? You, when you need God, <laughs> there's no time you need God like when you're dusting it up with the pagans, okay? When you get into it and start ministering Christ to the pagans, this young lady knows, you need Christ. You need the boldness of the Holy Ghost because you will shrink to about this size in your own strength. And we were, weren't we singing that? Uh, what, what was the song? I couldn't save myself. I was weak. The, one of them was a hymn, right? Just say some of the words of that. Jesus paid it all. And you were saying, I, I, I couldn't have done it on my own. I couldn't have. You start realizing that real. See, it's a, I'm just, it's a little easier in here. It's a little easier when you're in the church. When you're in the building, it's a little easier. You get out there and start rubbing elbows with the pagans. Start trying to tell him about Jesus. You realize how much you need him. There's many of us that are giants in this room. But we're not so stout. We're not so stout when it comes to evangelism. And that's okay. God's calling us higher. It's okay. Because he's building you up right now. Right now, some of you are being pricked in your inner man because there's someone coming to mind from your encounters the last week, the last month, or maybe you're going to see him again soon, and you're worried because the word of the Lord is upon you right now to preach the good news to them. And, and they know you're a Christian by label and name, but you haven't revealed your heart to them. You haven't told them what he means to you in here. All right. <clears throat> There's more. There's always more from the Spirit of God. There's always more. He's got more. But let's go ahead and stand up. We, we have landed. You're allowed to unbuckle your seatbelt. I appreciate all of you for being here and for opening your heart to receive from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do now is I want to pray into what the word has revealed. You and you alone between you and God and according to Proverbs, know your own heart. So he is handing you by the power of the Holy Ghost the test results. Hey, Alexis, we did X, Y, and Z test. Here you go. And I want to pray into that right now. We have a few minutes left. I just want to pray into whatever God is showing you. Now, you may be up here right now and if you are, be in quiet prayer for the one next to you. 
or the room or the house. I've said it before up here. I'm all in the upper room right now. This stage of my life, I'm all in. My family's all in. So my zeal for this house and the identity that they carry is it's a, of paramount importance to me. The identity the upper room carries in, in, in Frisco, in Collin County, it's important to me. And it should be important to you. Amen? And then beyond that, the body of Christ. We're the bride. Are we beautiful? I think you are. Prophetically, you are. The bride has a behavior. The bride looks like something. She carries herself a certain way. There's dignity. There's honor. So whatever the Lord is speaking to you right now about your own heart, and let's just call it blind spots, right? Let's just say we only knew a little bit before we walked in tonight, but we have a little bit more clear picture of the blind spots. Let's just address them. So just, let's just enter in a spirit of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work that no man can do. I can't do it. It's by your spirit. It's by the power that we read about, this strong power, God. And I just thank you that right now, whatever you're revealing to each and every person in this room, whatever, whatever it says on the diagnostic sheet, whatever the test results are, Lord, whether it's cholesterol or high blood pressure, Lord, whether it's hardness, unforgiveness, whether it's just weariness, God, if the heart is tired because the muscle hasn't been exercised, I ask that you would come in like a flood, Lord Jesus, and you would manifest with a big, big miracle. And that big miracle, Lord, would be that you fix our hearts, that you repair and mend the place that controls almost everything we do. That seat of emotion of decision-making. Lord, where there is sorrow, where there is depression, replace it with joy. Where there is fear, God, replace it with love. Where there is unforgiveness, Lord, replace it with mercy and grace. Lord, I just thank you for all the hearts that are carrying unforgiveness and they may not even know it. We just release circumstances. We release people never to be spoken of again because we've buried those memories in the sea of forgetfulness, Lord, much as our sin is taken away from us, Lord. That's a miracle, Lord. It's a miracle of the heart. Lord, where there is trepidation, where, where there is a, a hindrance to action, I pray you would replace that with boldness. Lord, make our feet like Hind's feet and give us the boldness to make the leap, to take the jump, to show up, to be the best that we can be in our circumstances, in our spheres, Lord, where you've called us to sow and to plow and eventually you bring rain and we reap. Let us have the boldness to jump to the next ledge. For assuredly, you have made our feet like Hind's feet to walk in high places, to have a view of what's down in the valley and beneath. I thank you for the house, Lord, for the upper room house 
in Frisco. And I pray that our light would shine. I pray that our light would shine. That it would shine, Lord, as we go forth. You're just doing a work right now. Just, just, just receive. Just let your mind and heart be loosed right now. In Jesus' name, I declare that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom. The Spirit of the Lord just carries freedom over hearts. Hearts that want to soar. Knowledge that's based in bedrock truth. All distortions to be removed. All partnership with deception to be removed. Bad theology to be taken away. To be aligned, Lord God. I only want the, I want the theology of the kingdom, God. We want the theology of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. We just declare it come on earth in this room right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your grace and your great love for us, God. Your great, great, deep, deep care and loving kindness is what leads us to repentance. Thank you for healings. Thank you for Godwin's neck. Thank you for heart, his heart, Lord. That you're ministering, you're loosing it right now in Jesus' name. God has called you to be a priest and king. What does a priest and a king look like? How do they walk? How do they talk? How do they sound? How do they smell? That's the high calling and it's, there's nothing less than that. I won't settle we won't settle God for anything less than that. Just say that. I won't settle for anything less than the high calling. Amen.